Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PersisGrowRoom.com. This episode right here is episode 50 of The Grow Guides. So we've covered a lot of stuff so far. In this specific episode, we're going to be talking about how you can build your own super soil. And TG is going to talk us through everything TG has a recipe he uses when he's building his own super soil. So you can follow this recipe by listening to this episode. And of course, if you have any questions, you can find us over on percysgrowroom.com slash forum. You can sign up for free. And there is also our Discord server where you can go there as well and find information about building your own super soil. So if you do have any questions after listening to this episode, feel free to get in touch. It would be good to hear from you. Of course, we have our highonhomegrown.com website, which is going for a revamp on building different pages on there every day. So if you do have time, go and check that out as well. We'd appreciate that. Uh, on Sunday, we're having an episode which is all about building and maintaining your own worm farm. So if you're free on Sunday, make sure you come and check out the live show. And the week after that, the Sunday following that, we're going to be discussing micro grows as well. So if you don't have much space for growing, then you can do some micro grows and we're going to talk through that. Thank you for downloading and listening to the show. I'll leave you to listen to this episode and I'll speak to you at the end of this. See you in a bit. So this is actually episode 50 for the Grow Guides. We've had 50 different episodes where we've taken you from the very beginning, from planning your grow to equipment, nutrients, how to pop your seeds, going through the whole grow cycle, all different mediums. We've done everything you need to know about growing cannabis so far. So we're going into more detail about certain little bits of the of different topics to make sure that you're more fully informed on these different things in case you want to go into more detail. And one of the big important things that we would like to cover is building your own soil, because this is a great way to build your own soil. You know, you stick it in your pots. Maybe it doesn't need feeding for the whole grow. It's got loads of microbes in it, loads of nutrients in it. It's made specifically for your plants in your grow room. And it can sound complex, but really it isn't. And TG knows all about this shit. So he's going to help us we'll go all the way through it and tell you about all the different ingredients you need, what you need to do to mix them together, how much of each ingredient you need to mix together, all that kind of shit. So this is all about TG now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, uh, and where do we even start? I mean, there's two different types of the soil, which we're going to be talking about. I mean, the super soil and living yeah. soil. Do you want to explain yeah. the difference between the two of those, TG? Well, we could just step back, maybe a teeny half step back further before we do that. And okay. just like the way the way I like to think, just like soil is a is an oft thrown around term. It, it's it's a pretty general blanket term that can mean a lot of things depending on who's saying it in what context. But you know, the generalist, the most science, I guess, the scientific definition of soil is just soil is is a combination of of you know minerals organic material, microbial 
activity via the microbes that live in there so it has to have some life and as well as like air and oxygen and kind of stuff so but that definition doesn't really apply to what we're going to be talking about because in the cannabis sphere we have like you know i like to think of shit on on a, on a sliding scale from like inert essentially from you know you think about like dwc deepwater culture where there is no medium mm-hmm. essentially where you move to the right if you're thinking of a, a left to the right line kind of sliding scale then you get into like cocoa and stuff, which is, it's, it's a material, but it doesn't have anything in it. A soilless you, medium. Exactly. Well, exactly. Like Promix, same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, any of that, even, even peat, you know, people yeah. can grow in perlite, anything that's not, doesn't have anything in it. It's just completely inert. And you, the grower are in full control of what you're being, what's being put in or not put into it to feed your plant. Um, move a little bit further. Um, you get kind of into like, I would say like the organic aspect of shit where, you know, like fish emulsion and stuff where it's not quite as like precise maybe as, as using can of A and B with a bit of PK with those kinds of things. And that, and this is how I started growing with like just regular old inert potting soil from the garden store and using like uh, a full spectrum fish kind of with kelp and stuff, a, a three, two, five mix essentially. Um, so again, it's not quite as like precise. And then you go even further, which is where I'm at now into the, the super soil. There's, there's a couple like sub versions or sub definitions when you, when you get into soil, super soil, in my opinion. And again, um, full disclosure, this is all just what I think. It, it's not really based on, like, I guess I do read stuff and, and I've, you know, my, my recipe is based on a few different peoples that I combined, but essentially you know this is just what i think so take it with a grain of salt of course but um super soil to me is a soil or a medium that you can plant something in it doesn't have to be cannabis but a plant can grow in without too much um you know intervention from the grower so it has like everything kind of built in for the most part um my soil is a i like to call it microbially fortified super soil so you can do super soil without microbes. You can have like bone meal and blood meal and all the different stuff. If you think of it like baking a cake, right? You know, you can eat a cake without certain ingredients, but certain other ingredients really, really make it fucking good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the microbes, I guess, in, in that line of thought. And then you can go even further, which to me is the the very pinnacle of like, at least in the indoor, you can't really match mother nature. Like, I don't care who you are building your own living soil and simulating the microbes and stuff mother nature will never be second you know to the the indoor horticulturalist so um that's that's the best obviously outdoor and nice fertile soil that's there but living soil is something that can be perpetually you know you're, you're relying on the microbes essentially to create food for the plant um more or less more than you're relying on the amendments in the soil to uh, provide food to the plant. You're you're feeding the microbes, who then feed the plant. Where in my case, with my super soil, I'm I directly feed the plant with some assistance from the microbes, if that makes sense. So that's a long drawn out definition, but that's what I kind of think of as as super soil when I'm, you know, thinking of of what what uh, what I have and when when I see other people super soil and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. How's that? Uh, yeah, c- confusing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So essentially, why would you use this soil over, say, a bag of soil? You know, you just go to the shop and you get yourself, um, you know, you go to your Canadian Target. What's it called? Canadian Tire. That's the one, right? Yeah. You head there, get yourself some some soil in the bag. Why would you not use that? Why would you prefer to build your own soil? Why do you build your own soil rather than using that? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of reasons. Um, The one you hear probably most is like, assuming you're using organic inputs and and trying to like, I like to think I'm trying to mimic mother nature as best as I can in a very like awful, horrible way, you know, as best, you know, because I'm a human indoors. But that's, that's the, that's the intention is to try and replicate mother nature in your tent. But um, the reason I did it, you know, in the beginning was because I used to work up North as a geologist looking for uranium and stuff. And um, Cheryl, my partner is not super green thumb. Um, She's like a chemist, but you know, um, not super uh, intuitive with the plants. So she could measure out the shit. But, you know, um, so my solution was just to build this, this thing that she could just add water to for three weeks uh, Mm -hmm. when I was away and nothing bad would happen. Um, And so I did a bunch of reading and, you know, most of my, actually, my recipe comes from a combination of, of Subcool, Vic High and Tom Hill. Um, They're kind of recipes that are all available in Jorge Cervantes' Cannabis Encyclopedia, big purple book. And so I, I blended them all together and, and kind of made something that had the right proportions of, of uh, you know, um, nutrients and everything to grow for the general period that I tend to grow, which is about, um, you know, 100 to 120 days for a total cycle to be done. And... Um, yeah found local inputs because i'm not going to be ordering shit from you know far away and paying expensive shipping and stuff i'm super lazy and i prefer to you know the the whole carbon footprint aspect of it is is important because you know my recipe for example has locally like i make my own compost that i put in it so you know there's not any um uh, burning of fossil fuel shit that's involved with Mm -hmm. the with that so you can do that in a, in a lot of different ways um if you have like chickens and stuff make your own chicken manure and find local farmers and blah 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 which we'll get into in a bit when we're when we get into the ingredient part but um yeah so there's an environmental aspect to it i think is like you know you could argue if if you did your source your ingredients properly it would probably be better than bottled nutrients in terms of that um and a lot of people say it tastes better you know when you grow quote unquote organically there's that whole argument where is that better than traditional yeah that seems I to be something to do with the microbes and the bacteria seems to help the uh the trichomes grow a particular way and the terpenes develop in a particular way That's yeah I, topic, I completely believe that I and mean, whether or not one's better than the other i don't think is a winnable argument because better means something different to everyone right so mm-hmm. but um yeah like all the other stuff if you're like growing your own shit and like your inputs and stuff uh, making compost and things like this then probably you could argue that yours is like better for the environment mm-hmm. but uh so there yeah there's a lot of different reasons but for me it was just because i needed something that was easy basically and yeah, so, uh, so essentially water. what you're doing is you, you get in a soil and you're loading it with all of the nutrients the plant's gonna need 
throughout its whole life cycle and you you're loading that soil with all of those nutrients yeah. so you don't have to give it anything but water 100%. throughout the whole growth and sometimes microbes will be used because that will help break down what's inside of the medium and make it more plants available to the plants yeah and that's it's not quite living in soil like super soil is just loaded with the newts and the plant will take it as it needs it and then live in soil right. is like the bacteria would make the uh, get the nutrients from the soil and feed it to the plant essentially yeah the ingredients that you're using are like slow release non-burning type things that you know that are traditionally just they're traditional horticultural ingredients that i use in mine it's nothing like special mm. yeah um, but uh yeah it grows good plants just like you know I'm, I'm growing some peppers and some basil right now and it also works for other plants um, do, you, do you ever need to feed your plants more? Like, does, does the soil get it from germination yeah, to harvest without using it, nutrients? It's a good question. And it, I would say it varies um, because all plants don't eat the same, right? Some mm -hmm, mm -hmm. eat a lot less, some eat a lot more. Um, occasionally, I do run into problems with uh, deficiencies. Mostly it's because it's my fault, though, to be honest. Um, I run them too long. Um, but, you know, if you use a bigger pot, then you wouldn't run out. I'm just really, I'm, I don't know why I'm so cheap. Usually I'm like, oh yeah, one and a half gallon. That's, that'll be enough. And then, you know, like four weeks into flower, they start fading and I'm like, fuck, mm -hmm. you know, like, why didn't I just put it in a goddamn three, three gallon and only fill it, you know, two gallon or whatever. Anyway. So it depends on the plant. And again, in my case, I tend to just like veg shit out way too long and then, uh, get them way too big but yeah my the idea is very generally with my recipe that i think it's on percy's uh if you go there um it's up there but it's what did i what do i have like it's about a 40 day veg so like when you put the seed in it you have about 40 to 50 days i would say 50 is like really kind of pushing it of vegging before you can flip it and then on a on a typical kind of eight to nine week flowering plant which most are these days you know mm -hmm. uh maybe you're getting into the maybe there's a lot more nines and tens these now but uh you know between nine and ten or eight and ten weeks generally again it really depends on the cultivar that's usually enough to get it through till and to have a nice fade and and have pretty depleted soil uh by the end of things mm -hmm. so that's that was always my plan so where'd you start, man? What what ingredients do you need to build this soil? Yeah. Well, I think the most important thing is you need a base, you know, the inert part, because like most of this is not food, right? If you just, if it was all food, that'd be way too hot and it would kill your shit if you just try to grow it in bone meal. So most of it is, I use uh, local, well, not in the local, it comes from lower mainland in BC, but it's, I buy it at Costco and it's just big ass bales of composted wood bark and peat is the mixture with a little bit of perlite. Okay, let's go. Let's just go back a second, right? Let's say we're doing a four plant grow. You say oh, okay. each each pot is going to have, say, 25 <laughs> liters in each, each pot, right? That would be about well, right for this kind of soil. This is where I don't. I generally don't put that much in most when you hear living soil, super soil, people are like using these fucking huge pots. Mm -hmm. I'm in 1.5 to three gallon. You know, my biggest pot I own is a six gallon, which is like pretty big, 20 lead, 24 liters, 23 mm -hmm. liters. Mm -hmm. 
So, but I only use that as like a mother pot that I'm growing something out for a year in and filling a three by three or a four by four or something in. Right. Um, but no, most of my stuff is like three gallon is my choice and probably like more like 2.8 gallon. Cause I don't quite fill them eight full, but the 25 gallon ones, like that's more for like the living soil. No, 25 um, liter. A 25 liter. What is that in gallon? Yeah, it's about five, six liters. Six, six gallons. Six gallons. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of like, I think the minimum people like for the, the living soil type shit where you have to have enough space for like an active microbial community to live and flourish and not just like, be there with my soil like i i do do a, a drench of like i add a compost layer uh when i flip the flower usually about one to two weeks into flower I'll, I'll sprinkle a little bit of compost to like reinvigorate my soil with microbes mm -hmm. so it's not like they're in there like and again i've never actually looked in my soil and like checked how the microbes change over time during my grows but you know whatever is happening it seems to really work uh in my case so, so, so let's say we're mixing up um 20 gallons of this soil yeah yeah that would be about right right so four or five yeah. gallon pots yeah 20 yeah that's yeah. about right i guess so uh um, about 80 liters yeah uh, four or five gallon pots so how much of the base would you need and you say you'd use like a uh, peat or or cocoa for the base yeah i'm just trying to think of my like my recipe the fuck much do I use? I use 120 liters of base, I think. Right. Just because like when you're cooking the soil, you do want enough, again, space in there for the microbes to start flourishing and, and get to where they're going to be depleted from, if you know what I mean. And mm -hmm. you also need them to like start kind of breaking, uh, breaking down is the wrong term, but uh, cooking the soil um, in, in the two weeks of, of making it. But, uh, yeah, what the ratio for like four or five gallon pots, like, I, I don't even know, like <laughs> for a so specific you amount. You use a uh, 120 liters of yeah. base. So how yeah. many liters do you cook all together when it's all done? How many liters do you have? Yeah, probably like 130 ish. All right. So a lot of it is made of just base then just a uh, pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Compost. Most of it is, you know, yeah. Most, it's like more than 90%. Second, yeah. Yeah, the other stuff like it's it's fairly concentrated nutrients, and you do put a, quite a bit in it, considering, you know. But it's it's a slow release stuff that that I use anyway in my recipe. Um, I can't speak for other people's because a lot of other people do have problems when they plant directly into super soil you buy from the store. It burns their plants and shit. Mm -hmm. But I've never really had that problem with mine. But uh, yeah, you start with a base. You know, um, I would say at least like again there's a critical minimum that you need i think in terms of cooking it properly and having the microbes um flourish again um in the two weeks that it, it's sitting there waiting to uh, be used in your baking stage i guess mm -hmm. um but uh yeah again with i should probably just pull up my recipe i don't even have it up it's easier <laughs> for me i don't fucking remember it off the top of my head it was just i want everybody who's listening to make sure that they have exact numbers to work with so they can make you know they can mix it up all nice and know how much they're gonna need of what so if they get like yeah. a 50 liter bag of cocoa what kind of uh super soil are they gonna be able to make out of that using a 50 liter bag of cocoa as their base 
Yeah. So you like, I mean, I'm just popped it up on Percy's here. And if you just did cut, cut it in half. So I, it's, I said, start out with 105 liters. So we'll just cut everything in half. So if you started with 50 liters of high quality potting soil, you know, so, so that's in have, potting soil, not, not peat or cocoa. You'd use potting soil. Yeah, I like potting soil. I mean, potting soil essentially is peat. It's just got a, you know, might just have got a little bit castings. in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe some, uh, a little bit of compost and a little bit of perlite, but you could use peat. Yeah, peat is fine as well because mm -hmm. you're going to be putting in, you just might have to add a little bit more perlite in the end in terms of drainage. So, yeah, 50 liters of that. And like, again, I just go down to the store and like, I don't buy miracle Grow soil if I can help it. Uh, like none of the bigger branded stuff, just the most basic stuff that you can get and the most local stuff you can get is what I stress, right? Um, Worm castings, you need about, I guess, five to 10 liters, well, five, yeah, of, of worm castings, which is a, a fair amount. Um, you can make your own worm Yeah, castings. no, if you've got a worm farm, it's pretty easy to get that. Yeah, <laughs> so if there's local sources of that, um, we have a couple of people I, I can go to here and buy worm stuff from. And most garden stores do sell it as well, um, but you know, the further away from you, more processed it gets the crappier it is generally so yeah you're going to want 50 liters of soil then about 10 5 to 10 liters um of uh, worm castings don't go too hard on the worm castings and the, again these these amounts aren't like you, you can be within you know 10 percent. you don't have to be exactly on 10 liters um but yeah uh the worm castings don't go too hard on because they're fairly dense and uh, they can clog up your soil if you have a ton of them in there and it makes drainage um, a little bit tricky. So then next, um, uh, the what I use is blood meal. Uh, these are controversial, blood and bone meal. But I use blood meal, I don't give a fuck. It's there. It's a product of the slaughter industry, I know. But I mean, as long as people are eating beef, that shit's going to be there. So we might as well use it for something productive mm -hmm. it's not like they're harvesting cows just to no. get blood meal from them exactly yeah if they were harvesting for their blood i'd be like yeah no i'll find something else but mm -hmm. you know i like blood meal it's always easy to find um pretty cheap and really good nitrogen content it doesn't have anything else in it except nitrogen and it's pretty good for microbial uh, encouragement they they enjoy that stuff the worm castings again just to go back quickly i use it are for nitrogen phosphorus and potassium like the npk but they don't really have too much in them generally they're more for like uh micronutrients and also to like kind of encourage microbial development um so yeah after the bone meal i'm gonna that was 1.5 cups of that in my recipe and again this is just my recipe so you can we'll go over alternatives and stuff after we're done here that you can use in terms of other stuff than what I use because maybe this stuff's not available for you where you are or whatever. Um, so bone meal is also from the slaughter industry. Um, I use steamed bone meal, um, three cups of that, quite a bit more. Phosphorus uh, is important, root development and other things. I think in flour as well, it's pretty, pretty good. Plants eat the shit out of it. And this one is important also, uh, to have a good cook of your soil, like you want to make sure it's, it's properly, uh, um, 
I don't know what else to call it, cooked. Yeah, and then bone meal. we seen in the chat there from what's the mouse thinking so that you can use the term resting because we don't want to lead people into the idea that you're going to cook this shit in the oven yeah. for a certain amount of time. It don't go on gas mark eight Rested. for 40 minutes. No, no, you're just like letting that. it, you're <laughs> fermenting it, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Letting just, the microbes fucking once it's mixed, uh, just let it sit there and do its thing for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we actually, like we actually did have somebody at Percy's that did actually cook their soil on top of a stove once. So yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, people do that to like if you get shit out the garden and you want to make sure all the bugs are dead, then you can cook your soil yeah, like you that. But you're gonna kill a lot of shit in that in your house will stink. So don't do that. Yeah, it's, don't. Your house will smell like shit, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bone meal though is is just microbial activity is important to help make the bone meal or the phosphorus in the bone meal available. Um, so yeah that's uh, i put a lot of bone meal in it there's a little bit of nitrogen in it too which is great and calcium as well lots of calcium and bone meal obviously so um after that i'm using some dolomitic lime because uh it's got calcium and magnesium it's quite slow release so i'm not really using it for the calcium and magnesium per se um it's more for a soil buffer in terms of helping it keep it kind of nice and sweet, not super acidic, not super basic, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's it's a great amendment. It's very cheap, um, and uh, it lasts quite a long time. And uh, afterwards, when hopefully you compost your soil ball like I do, it will persist most likely in that soil ball, and then it'll become part of your compost that you can use again and again and again. So. It's a gift that keeps on giving that dolomitic lime. Uh, don't use a, that's the other kind of lime, calcium-based uh, stuff. Dolomitic lime is calcium, magnesium, uh, fuck, carbonate, and then the other one is just calcium carbonate. Right. Um, yeah, we want uh, magnesium in that. Then next, uh, oh, sorry, that was, what did I say? Three cups of dolomitic lime? Cut that in half, 1.5 cups of dolomitic lime. Right, okay. I apologize. Yeah, so three cups of bone meal, 1.5 of dolomitic lime. Next, I use uh, one heaping cup of Epsom salts in my normal recipe. You could probably get away with still putting in maybe not a heaping cup, but just like a regular nicely trimmed cup of Epsom salts. Um, this is magnesium sulfate. Mm-hmm. It's uh, there for the magnesium mainly um, and the sulfur. Sulfur is a very important nutrient in growth of cannabis as well. Um, but, uh, it's quite, uh, soluble in water. So magnesium sulfate, Epsom salts get washed out or used up quite quickly as the soil is watered and, and stuff. So that one, I do give a, my plants a shot of it every once in a while, but, uh, yeah, in the initial mix, you're going to want about, I would say one cup, like nicely trimmed, not like overflowing cup, right. Epsom salts. Yeah, I buy mine. About, what is a cup? Is like 240, 250 milliliters. Oh, yeah. Sorry. 250 milliliter. Okay. Yep. Or eight ounces for you imperialists. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the Epsom salts I use, I know people say, you know, buy them from the garden store, Mermaner, but I buy mine from just the grocery store in those big plastic jugs. Just yeah, make man. sure you, you get the USP, which is United States Pharmacopoeia. Uh, which means I think that it's just purely that. It's yeah, you, just you don't want sulfate. scented magnesium salts. You just want no. straight, just 100% magnesium sulfate. Yeah. If it's got flowers and shit on the label, like be like, eh, probably don't get that. 
Probably not. <laughs> Just to be white crystals. That's all. Cheap, cheap, generic stuff. Yeah. I buy right. like a four kilos for 12 bucks. So mm -hmm. it's way cheaper than the plant specific. And maybe there is something different. I don't know. But so far, I've had no issues in like, you know, the 12 years I've been fucking growing. So. <laughs> Um, and then the next part is really important, especially if in initially you didn't buy the regular potting soil kind of mix, um, because potting soil generally has a bit more um, drainage uh, based on what it's made of than, than just pure peat. Mm -hmm. So uh, perlite and vermiculite is the next one. And it says five to 10 liters. Um, that's a very, very vague thing. Some people... You know, if you want more drainage, if you want your soil to dry out quicker and but drain better, put more perlite in. If you want it less, then but put less in. But be aware that if you put too much less, then you're going to have issues with drainage and possibly clogging and you get root issues and shit. More is better if you're going to do anything. But yeah, I would say like five liters of perlite. Um, I like perlite because it's readily available vermiculite it's not so much of an issue anymore but it used to be mined in uh asbestos uh derived kind of areas and and it could be contaminated with asbestos because of the mineral is the you know it's associated with asbestos minerals basically mm -hmm. but not so much anymore because there's high regulations on that shit but just vermiculite is generally a lot more expensive and better used for other things like growing mushrooms yeah um, so stick with perlite. Rice hulls are an organic alternative. I've never personally used rice hulls, but uh, apparently they're pretty good. Um, they break down some... over time, don't they? And feed yeah, the they'll break yeah. down. They provide a bit of silica too, uh, which you know I'm not too concerned with. But yeah, rice hulls are another option. So, um, and then uh, what's next? Five heaping spadefuls of sifted compost. Well, you're using you half of that though. You say yeah, five. so a couple heaping spadeful so like i don't know what what that is maybe uh two liters three liters of compost compost is a pretty flexible thing the more you put in the better really um to a point you don't want an all compost but mm -hmm. compost is weird because it both helps with drainage as well as prevents excess drainage it gives you a shit ton this is where i impart my microbial activity because again like i said i make my own compost and I have a bunch of endogenous microbes that are chilling. So when I make my teas and just mix it in with the soil, uh, they get mixed in as well. So uh, compost is really important. If you can't get compost, um, it's okay. Try and get some uh, steer manure or composted, composted steer manure or sheep manure are my two choices. Um, animal manure again is kind of like a lot of people don't like to use it animal byproducts the vegan crowd all that kind of stuff but uh you know it'll be really it's... hot as well if you gotta let the manure yeah break down for six months or yeah you, some compost. you don't want to just be following the cow and collecting the shit that's falling out of the ass you know? <laughs> but uh you know if it's in the store in a bag um hopefully it's been properly decomposed and composted and stuff and that's what I buy. I just go to Canadian Tire and buy like $3 bag of steer manure. Um, that's generally available. But uh, if it's not, then uh, yeah, compost or that. Because this, these are kind of where your microbes will, will come from. Cow shit's not the sweetest to use for microbes. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's other ways. Unless to get you're them. growing cheese. 
Yeah. Or, I mean, I mean, fungus, I guess, <laughs> goes on the, on the patties, right? Those teachers that are golden. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, um, what's that? That's it. That's all I got. So, round that up for us. What is it again? How many liters of which? So, 50 plus, yeah, say, five, 55 liters. Um, and then perlite is another 560. And then, I don't know, I would say 65 liters, like total volume, because the rest, like the blood meal and the bone meal, they're just, they don't take up much room, right? They're <laughs> uh, more like amendments than, than a medium. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. 55 liters of the pint soil. And how many, uh, a quarter, uh, no, a cup, a quarter of a liter, 250 million liters of, which was it? The bone meal, the blood, blood meal, bone meal. Yeah. 1.5 cups of blood meal, which is 250 times three. three. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, sorry, I don't have it in metric, even though I'm in Canada, which is funny, but I'm all about cups, you know? <laughs> yeah, a cup is just 250 milliliters. Yeah. So you got to do the math, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, so then, yeah, after, after you've collected all of that, if you're going to make my recipe again, this is my recipe, but uh, there's other recipes out there you can try. Um, I use one of those kiddie pools, you know, like the little paddling the pool paddling or whatever. Pool, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I just use that as like a big tub and I dump all of this shit in there all together. Um, and then I take my rake and I mix it up, uh, you know, like you would a cake batter with a spoon, but use a rake. Mix it all up really, really good. Kind of so it looks homogenous, the same, like the same kind of texture texturally everywhere there's not big patches of perlite here and like cow shit over there or whatever you want it kind of even looking as best you can um so it is a bit laborious in that sense this is again how i do it um a lot of people if you're more mechanically inclined you could build some sort of tumbling drum like a cement mixer type thing and toss Ooh. everything in there and roll it around uh that would work great i'm actually i would love to have one of those but uh I pretty, I'm pretty shitty at building stuff, so I don't have one. <laughs> but yeah. Would you add um, any after, water to this? It's in the paddling pool. You, you just yeah, like... well, after I've mixed it, usually when I'm adding my water is after it's kind of sitting there mixed, I'll, I take one gallon usually, and I'll sprinkle it with my uh, watering wand, but a watering can works just as well. Just don't have it like dumped in one spot kind of you want to evenly distribute it the best you can water your your soil and give it a good mix around to kind of mix the the water around um and then after that i'm putting it in a big huge barrel that i have uh which again is kind of like you know not everybody has room for this or access to big barrels with lids on them and shit um you can use like tubs. I know somebody that uh, used like just a big Rubbermaid tub and just kind of mixed it around every once in a while mm -hmm. um, in there. Didn't because what I like the drum for is then I can roll it right. Because uh, mm -hmm. you do want to mix the stuff. You don't want to let it just like set like stratify and the stuff at the bottom won't have access to oxygen, which is really important for the microbes that you want to proliferate in your soil to uh, to have access to because they'll die if they don't. And then bad ones, the anaerobics will start coming up and uh, those ones are not good. 
it'll, if your soil starts smelling like like dead bodies and stuff, which it can, <laughs> like because of the bone meal and stuff, uh, yeah, you want to get some oxygen in there ASAP. So that's why I like the the rolling ability. And if you had a big drum, like a cement mixer type thing, that would be perfect because you could always just open it up, infuse some oxygen, roll it around, get that kind of mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, I just, I fill up my drum, put on the lid, kick it on its side and then roll it around in my yard. Um, I use a mixing that, auger, like a 36 inch mixing auger and a drill, just punch it down and pull up. Yeah, and it works. Perfect. I know exactly what you're talking about though. Just aerate it. Yeah, any any way you can get air in it. Air is important. Same, you know, just like with anything, compost is the same. The good microbes need oxygen, just like us. So, so you just would you leave just sitting there in that tub for like two weeks and just roll it yeah. around every couple of days or something? Basically, yep. If you can do it daily, like that's cool. Uh, but yeah, at least kind of every two to three days. Um, ideally, you want it in a warmer environment. Um, you don't want it like borderline freezing, like zero degrees or 32 Fahrenheit or whatever, but, um, you know, warm enough. So then the, the microbes will be like, oh man, it's warm in here. Let's get eating guys and do their shit. <laughs> Probably what they say. Uh, cause yeah, you know, just like with anything to a point, you know, you don't want to cook them. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. again, I shouldn't, that's an appropriate use of that word. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, too hot is, is not good, but, um. So where would you get these ingredients from as well? You, you can get them all from a, a normal store, right? That's where I get mine. I, I stress very much that you should support your local businesses and your garden stores and stuff, you know, because, you know, as much as I love Canadian Tire, they're a big box store and um, I like the little garden shops. So you so. can make your own compost and you can make yes. your own worm castings after a while when you get a worm farm, which we'll be covering in next week's grow guides. So. Yes. So if you do, and when you when you source these things locally, the microbes are going to be more applicable to your local area as well. So mm-hmm. and that's something you want to be looking out for when you build this soil is making it so your plants will be be immune to different pathogens that from the environment it lives in. So if you use local microbes, the more likely to be immune to things as well. That's right. That's, that's always been my thought, you know, anything mm. that's bad around here is probably fighting with the good shit. So if I can get the good shit in my soil, probably that's, that's an IPM measure already there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, seen, uh, I've seen sometimes people put rock dust in and shit like that. Do you not use any of that? No. Rock dust is cool. Uh, you know, I'm a geologist, so I'm a big fan of rocks and their dust. It's more like a slow release <laughs> of nutrients. So that kind yeah, of- it's, that shit is super slow. And Honestly, there's not a ton of nutritional value in it. Like, it's not like it's super slow. And, but you know, your plant can't live on fucking granite dust just for the, mm-hmm. the potassium that's in the feldspar that's in the granite. Right. Like, um, and again, it takes a lot to break that shit down, depending on the mineralogy of the shit. Uh, you need some serious time and some serious microbes and usually a pretty acidic environment. So like to me, rock dusts are, applicable in something like a living soil where you're going to reuse it multiple times, like mm-hmm. over years, I would say. Um, because again, it's, it's not immediately available. And if you're just dumping it in for like, like the way I use mine for a 90 day or a hundred day grow, probably it's not even going to be touched by the time um, I dump my soil into the compost. Cause I don't reuse my soil in the sense where I, 
put a new plant in the same block. I put yeah. my blocks in the compost bin, which I then use the compost in a new batch of soil, mm. kind of closing the loop that way. Right. But, uh, and again, rock dust would be good to have in your compost. And again, like Rusty Nails has said, you know, the worms, you know, it's in, they, they use it as grit and shit like then other things. But like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think I need to add that to get that. So I'm not, I don't do basalt rock dust or glacial, whatever, moraine rock dust, granite, crushed granite. Uh, Marge, you've used uh, TG soil before, right? Yeah, I have. Yep. I did everything that he said. I bought all my stuff at Canadian Tire. <laughs> but they are they are um not corporately owned i believe they're yeah i mean so yeah. there's that it's really like close to my house. Don't get me wrong. um i i just mixed mine up i had to mix mine up in like a big tote because i didn't have i wasn't about to go out and buy a kiddie pool mm-hmm. just to do that because i'm pretty sure my husband would be like where the fuck are we going to keep this after you're done with it but it worked <laughs> it worked great i have to make some more this year actually and one of the reasons I started doing it is because I'm composting too, and I'm looking for ways to use my compost. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So you amend this shit, DTG? Uh, sometimes it depends on the grow. Um, like, I I don't know if I posted anything. I think I posted someone somewhere about my. I just recently did a grow of these auto double grape, or I, I should say, quadruple grape. Hopefully, I don't get sued. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> um they're they're a 65 day auto so like seed to cut it was 65 days and i was like fuck that's not it's super super fast but um i didn't have to do anything but water those it was that's it water in a a one gallon pot even so like 3.8 liters very small uh ish um smells like onions too it's fucked didn't get any grape super resonant (laughs) it might be a good breeding plant but yeah the onions are a bit um off-putting anyway so in that case no i don't have to add anything but in another case like i have these forbidden dream in my four by four that i have in four gallon pots so 16 liter and i veg them like you know i monster crop them and i was like oh, i'll just train them for another week oh you know just you know a few more days and they're fucking huge now and you know we all know plants when they go into flower they're using a shit ton of energy and like those secondary metabolites are not simple molecules right they need a lot of stuff to build thc and cbd and all the terpenes and stuff mm-hmm. so like those atoms come from somewhere and that somewhere is the nutrients and so they're eating a shitload and yeah i have to uh amend so when i amend i, I again i go back to my my old favorite fish fish hydrolysate preferably and kelp where would you get um, fish hydrolysate from that sounds like a complex one uh, not really. It's usually at the garden store in the organic section okay. if, if they have it. Hydrolysite or fish emulsion is generally a bit more common. Mm-hmm. Emulsion is not maybe as, as good just because the processing is, it, it takes a lot of the good stuff away. Whereas hydrolysate is like a cold process where it preserves a lot of the good, good shit that's, that comes with the, the fish. Um, some people say it imparts a fishy flavor into the weed, but I never really had anybody tell me my wish, weed smells like fish or tastes like fish yet. So, mm. I don't mean if that's a tuna kush or something, right? Well, I have harvested fishy tasting weed using that stuff before, but this is way long ago, and I'm sure that I didn't do a lot of shit right. Yeah, no, I don't like. I don't use a ton of it. It's it's pretty. Usually, it, it's kind of just more like a, a little bit of a supplement. If I notice there's a teeny bit of fade, I'll I'll feed like maybe once a week or something like mm-hmm. that. 
fish like and the, these products especially kelp um, is excep- exceptionally good for microbes to eat they they quite enjoy that as well so it's not just for the plants um you know plants there's there's sarcinins and other plant growth hormones and shit in in kelp that are good but uh it's also for the microbes as is the, the fish um so yeah usually I'll, I'll do a little little bit of fish if i need to um epsom salts 10 i do tend to have a bit of an issue with magnesium deficiency if i do have any deficiency and i think that's just because the dolomitic lime again that's a, it's a rock dust it's it's crushed dolomite which is calcium magnesium carbonate and therefore it's not super available in a short period of time it's more again for the buffering capacity that it provides so epsom salts are another thing that i'll i'll use as a supplement and uh you know just a quick shot of i think jorge and his purple book that that's the um that's what i've always followed is two teaspoons per gallon until morale improves right so that's it though nothing nothing like you know no uh sprinkling of this or that or dry amendments on the top surface or anything just water for the whole grow yeah so th- this um, soil is pretty good to build if you want to run an auto then especially because it's going to last about 12 weeks yeah yeah it's great for autos actually yeah mm-hmm. great i mean yeah i've, yeah. I've used it for autos for my outdoor yeah. growth yeah and i should say this is again this is my soil and there's other things you can substitute in for the ingredients i use if it's, things aren't available to you or there's there's just other super soil mixes too um but yeah, building your own is like the way to go. It's, it, you know, just like anything, it's cheaper and uh, you control what goes in it. You can kind of design it. If, if you're growing long flower shit, like, uh, you know, the 16 week stuff where, where you need that extra oomph, maybe you can, you know, use bigger pots and, uh, and design your soil to provide more nitrogen for longer or something like mm. that. But yeah, this this works fairly generally in my experience. Um, you still do need to have a bit of like ability to recognize if things are going a bit weird because the pH does get fucky sometimes, and and so you got to give it a good flush to to refresh the medium and wash out whatever might be happening in there. But uh, you know, it's it's not quite autopilot, I would say, but I don't think really anything is um, growing wise. So. Yeah. When you when you flush your soil, um, what's that process? Because I know it is slightly different to say flushing cocoa. Yeah. Um, well, I'm only flushing when I notice a problem generally. And like I say, it's generally with pH. You know, my leaves will will uh it's not canoe, but it's like the opposite of canoe. Um, you know how they curl in on them on themselves, sort of. Right. Yeah. And it's just everybody knows, well, not everybody, but a ph issue uh when that pops up i i flush pretty much like any anybody i think i i put in enough uh water like you know clean water through it um actually probably not because i'm I'm more going on like a color thing usually if there's an issue the the color is pretty fucking brown almost coming out the the first bit of runoff orangey brown and so as that fades, then I'm like, okay, whatever the fuck that was is gone. And uh, 
in all my years of growing, that's like whatever that is, washing that out, just like it's like injecting the shit with steroids. The next day they're just like, fucking let's go, you know. It's, it's crazy. Um, and it's it's happened outside when I've grown petunias too. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with these things? They just look like shit, yellow leaves, nasty. And then I watered them and this like ooze of orange came out. And I was like, oh fuck. Like, I don't know if the microbes are just like, you know, that one pot they didn't get along or what's going on. I really should like try to do more science shit on this, but like again, flushing tends to fix the problem. And yeah, I'm just dumping water through until this kind of this fucking color fades. Um, you put enough water through to know that like it's washed for sure. Yeah, um okay. and you just let it drip out and it you can't really overwater unless you have a soil that you've kind of messed up and not you don't have proper drainage so it like holds the water really badly. Yeah. Um my soil really does like drain good and then it it dries out quite quickly again, especially if you have a good robust plant in there that's drinking drinking hard too. So yeah. So I mean even even with all your amendments and everything though, you're not gonna you're not worried about potentially washing it through. No. And then having to re, yeah. The only, only re, again, I'm just asking because it's one of those things that I think people, you know, they hear the word flush and then the next minute they're, they're stressing for that reason. I'll have a flushed out all yeah. the good stuff and, and stuff like that. So in, in the final bit of water that I put through, I might add a bit of Epsom salts because again, those are fairly water soluble and they will wash out. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, and Epsom salts are fairly benign too, you, you know, unless you're fucking putting a shitload in, you can't really. You don't really overdose them too on that too easy. Yeah. So I might replenish that, but yeah, um, the flush is you don't, you know, the the super soil ingredients are built to be robust enough not to wash out. I think like blood meal is not soluble in water. Some of it is. Like you get it wet and there's something that dissolves and washes away, but it's not like salt where it's like instantly dissolved and instantly gone. Yeah. So yeah, in my experience, if I do have to flush, it doesn't really affect the the nutritional um, capacity or whatever's left of that in the soil until the end. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. So we have a couple of questions here in the list of the mail section as well. The ones from Woody kind of apply to this. It says, uh, do you test your soil after it's been initially mixed and has cooked mm-hmm. for two weeks? Do you then test the proper for the proper amounts of pK and pH? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. And no, short answer. <laughs> I you don't. just know it and works I, from experience. Yeah, you know, I I want to, and I know there there's you know there's a lab down. Well, you know, Cheryl works at a fucking lab that does this, so could mm. do it easily, but it's expensive, and I haven't yet. But I I, I really do want to just because um, you know then I can know um exactly where i'm at and possibly amend it to make it you know don't have that magnesium deficiency that comes props up or or shit like that or kind of link things to like oh that's probably why that's happening and then you know you can go from there but no i've never had it tested but i really want to and i probably will this i would just yeah is there a test kit that you would use is the one you would recommend people can buy and use to test their soil um well, I have no affiliation with anybody or any labs or anything, but, um, you know, we have the SRC here in town in Saskatoon and I know A&L labs in, I forget, they're in Ontario somewhere. They're kind of like where everybody goes for their soil shit. So like, 
and they're kind of like one of the labs that are up on hoplite and vi viroid type stuff so they kind of like you know they're not just like a lab that does this they they're a lab that does this and and kind of cares about it at the same time it seems like right. so again no affiliation or endorsement but like anl might be a good place to start in terms of getting a lab test if you're in canada cool. um, and then we have a question here from woody as well which is a little bit different to kind of after soil topics can you use or can organic nutrients come from a bottle it's yeah. like, organic is one of those terms which is uh, taken differently depending on different people. It can be well, kind of, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would say like fish, uh, if, if your fish is reared organically, you know, the whatever your emulsion or hydrolysate's made from, then yeah. Um, kelp, if it's harvested uh, properly in the organic way whatever that entails well, and again like mackie said it really depends on that yeah. definition and when you get organic right. nutrients out of the bottle the, to increase the shelf life they usually make this shit like really alkaline to make sure that microbes can't grow in it and it won't be able to break down what's inside the bottle to extend the shelf life you know so when you do use it it will change the ph of your water quite a bit so make sure you check the ph if you're going to yeah. use any organics out of the out of a bottle but personally, I, I think if you want to try and get good nutrients organically, you can get it from your compost bin and you can get it from a worm farm, you know, just to put some of that in your water. Let it bubble, do some, make some compost tea. That's a nice organic nutrient you can use to cover most things in, in the garden, right? Hmm. Yeah, no, tea is important for many, many reasons. Mm -hmm. um, most I use it mostly for my, microbial um, enhancement and also the... IPM that it provides, you know, spraying it on leaves. You have a bunch of slime covered your leaves and then the bad bacteria land in there and they get all fucked up because there's already a bunch of badasses there living. So, um, yeah, compost tea is great. But yeah, like organic, I mean, it, it really depends on the source, you know, just like the stuff in the bag or the stuff in the brick. You got to make sure. And Mackie is right. You know, some of the stuff that they put in bottles is is for preservation. I know the stuff I have downstairs has citric acid in it as a, I would assume, a preservative. But, you know, you can get probably organically derived citric acid, I would think. And uh, also it, it does lower the pH. So that is something to be aware of um, when you're adding it to your water. But uh, yeah, it's just it's hard to source because organic as a word and a label is pretty fucking convoluted and depending on where you are or who you're talking to, um, whether it's, you know, somebody who's a chemist and is like, yeah, it's just carbon based. That's organic. It's like, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't really apply to like, you know, good practices in agriculture, which is another version of organic, you know, are we hurting the earth any more than we need to in this practice and stuff like that. Um, so it's yeah, again, it make your own that's that's my biggest advice yeah, man. yeah that's, that's the best thing to do make your own grow your own you know if you can make your own soil and all the instructions are in this podcast but if you need any help then you can head over to personsgrowroom.com because the the recipe is there that you can follow step by step and of course if you need any help you can always ask questions over at percy's grow room but do you have a guide for this on your website as well tg not yet no my website's still fucking sitting there probably being hacked <laughs> <laughs> you know um it will be up there eventually you know my recipe that i i use every day now is i have added a couple more things that aren't necessary but i just like to add as like a you know little little uh 
stamp of my my magic or something on them so then you know when people buy it they feel i don't know i offer it as 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 the recipe but i kind of feel greasy if i'm like selling the same thing offer for free or something but again it's it's uh it's up there for sure and if you follow that one you'll be in good hands but uh, i do want to like make sure i give a big shout out to tom hill who's uh active now on instagram if you're into the haze check him out legend tom hill um and uh, vic high and subcool because they're again what this recipe is all based on and if you get jorge cervantes book there's a shitload Which one? of information the cannabis encyclopedia yeah yeah the cannabis encyclopedia there's right. three recipes in there that again this is what i use based on what i have locally available so you can you can read those and then kind of build your own version if you like wherever you are because again not all this stuff's available where you are so yeah check it out sweet and of course, if you do build it, get over to Percy's and start a thread so we can see how it's built and how you did. And then run your diary of it as well so we can see yeah, how yeah. the fans turn out in the end. That'd be good to Percy's see. Percy's is good, actually, because I think I put a... There's a shitload of pictures on there of like, here's when I added this, here's when I added this, here's what this barrel that I was talking mm-hmm. about looks like. So it's yes. a picture step-by-step, step, which is great. So yeah, mm-hmm. check that out for sure. So just a quick, a quick um, couple of questions before we wrap this show up. Sorry, Bob, were you going to ask something? I was just going to say, um, I know you touched on it before, Tej, but with your from seed and stuff like that, do you put, do you have a starting mix you use first to get them on the roll before you put them into this this mm. mix of yours, or yeah, do you yeah. run it the whole way through? Because I know you know as we talked before, things get a bit hot um, yeah. for for seedlings and that. Do you, is there or or are you you're sweet to run it the whole way through? I always go direct into it. Um, if I do anything, I might like blend it like right in the planting hole, which the planting hole of a seed is tiny. So I don't really do this with that, but, um, yeah, from seed. No, you just, uh, you can go right in it again, compost. If you mix a bit of compost and dilute it, maybe, but yeah, Yeah. you're, you're fine to go right in there for sure. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. Good question, man. It's an important one because you don't want it being too strong and it kills off seedlings. Yeah. Yeah. Happens a lot too, I find on like the store bought yeah. stuff. It's I would, I would, uh, when I was doing the whole organic soil thing, my seeds would get killed off if I planted them straight into the organic. So I'd use like a handful of cocoa in the middle, plant the seed in mm-hmm. that, and then it will do fine after that. That's how I would roll. I don't know what that is in there. I mean, obviously, it's something that's, yeah, I don't know, just, yeah. Weird. But, anyway, but we've got a couple more questions to wrap this shit up with. We have one from Foamy Bowls. He says, soil question. Why do soil companies still use plastic bags <laughs> instead of biodegradable ones? And it's pretty simply because the soil will eventually eat the paper. Yeah, microbes yeah. like paper. <laughs> yeah. Could, yeah. 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 They dry out too. Probably it? they're cheaper too, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I had companies. this the other day, you know, back, you're all going to remember random tangent it's only going to be a minute everybody but here in the uk we used to be able to just go to the shop get your shit and you'll get your plastic bags right and then the uk government passed a law which is a good law saying that you need to pay five pence for your plastic bags to try and reduce the amount people are using them and you know people just started using a lot less plastic bags because they weren't free to pay five pence for each one but the other day i went to the shop and the missus pointed out to me that she was buying paper bags right economically friendly and shit but paying 40 pence for each fucking one it's like how did that happen how did we go for paying five pence 
for plastic bags to save the environment to paying 40 pence to the fucking paper bags to save the environment. So what the fuck happened here? But yeah, random <laughs> fucking tangent, man. We're getting ripped off, man. Somebody's taking the piss out of us. Just saying. It makes you feel any better, mate. We can't get plastic knives and forks or straws here anymore. Yeah, that's a new thing they're implementing here in the UK. Uh, Single-use plastics are going to be gone. Instead, yeah, they're going to be using wood. Trees. <laughs> it's like a, like a $50,000 fine. Wow. If, you get, if, you, if you're a company and you get and someone comes in and you're, you're getting rid of plastic straws and knives and forks and single-use, yeah. It's like okay, 50 grand fine. No. I can just imagine what America is going to be like without its red plastic solo cups. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Who changed dorm parties forever. (laughs) That's it. No no more parties. Mm -hmm. Anyway, last question uh, from Firetop. My question is, is there any way without smoking to test if what I've bought is healthy enough to consume? Because unfortunately, Firetop here is in the UK. We still have prohibition and you have to buy street weed and it's usually sprayed with some kind of nasty shit. He said, I've got loads of people I can reach out to, but only a handful I can trust. If you have a handful of people you can trust, you're doing pretty fucking well, Firetop. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a finger full, all right? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you really can't trust anybody out there. The only one you can trust is yourself, man. You have to grow your own shit and use your own shit. And if you're going out to buy shit, it's probably going to be shit. So it's best that if you haven't got your own, just try and take a tea break for a few weeks until the next drop comes down, in my opinion. But is there any way you can test this shit? Does anybody know of any way you can test it without smoking it? To see well, if there's any contaminants? I mean, you might be able to use like to a use scope use. and just see if there's anything visual. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you check for mold, mold and shit. Do. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. start with those, that, at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. and those are pretty inexpensive to buy mm-hmm. as well. We used to use two little methods where you'd you'd grab a little bit of it and you'd put it in a cup of water and you'd see if anything come off it. And mm. the other the other one was to just burn it um, and see what happened. And you burn it if it's popping and hissing and carrying on and it's not leaving black ash. Yeah, yeah. If you're getting that sort of thing going on, then yeah, probably best to leave it alone. Mm. Some nasty shit. But I mean, there, then man. you know that's that's a a stoner bro method it's not it's mm-hmm. in no way scientific <laughs> so it's know. happened to me in the past i've bought weed in the past and it tasted like you know the old wellington boot and yep. you oh. know what that means and it's like oh, i better yeah. check Good this with friend. the scope and you check Good it and you see fucking mold and rot in Ooh. there so old yeah, white yeah. hairs in there the mycelium mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's no good, man. So it might, that's a good idea there, Marge. You just make sure you check it with your triposcope first, and that will give you a good idea of whether it's clean or not. And then after that, burn some and see if you see what the residue is left behind with the ash. You want a nice, clean, grey ash. If it's got any large bits of black in there, then it's usually it's not been flushed properly with some other chemical causing it to turn black. So that's about it, really. That's all you can do other than... You know, getting a proper scientific test, breaking it down and finding out which, what with different chemicals are in there. But that's going to be a lot more complicated. You don't want to do that just for a little bag of street weed. You know what I'm saying? I remember back in the day when weed popped all the time. It was like every time you rolled one, it was like popcorn going off all over the place. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I had weed pop. Yeah. All right. So there we go, everybody. That was the nice one, TG, for all the information there on the building the soil. It- yeah, it's a bit disjointed, you know. It's but uh, it's it's not hard. Like, don't overthink it. Would be my advice. And like again, these amounts that I listed are 
or variable like you don't you know don't uh do it to the gram and worry if you're out or something mm -hmm. and uh again try and like source everything as, as close to you as you can because like if you're ordering back guano from indonesia and you're like up in alaska or something or i don't know somewhere far away yeah. from that then it's like kind of defeats the purpose of building a quote-unquote organic yeah. super soil yeah it might have been sourced organically but it didn't get to you organically yeah <laughs> and you know um so yes yeah. so you're not saving you're... the planet if you're burning 37 dinosaurs just to get the products to yourself yeah it's not and dinosaurs it's leaf leaf right oil is made up of leaf <laughs> it's carboniferous yeah 330 million year old leaves that's right <laughs> Dinosaurs right. are... Anyway, yeah. Yeah, anyway, tangent. You know, but let's move on to the outro then, everybody. Let's do that. And there we go, everybody. That was all about building your own living soil. Again, if you have any questions or if you need any extra help with building your own living soil or your super soil, head over to percysgrowroom.com, start a thread, and there's loads of people out there who build and use their own super soil, and they can help you out with some suggestions if you need some help. Uh, also, you can head over to our Discord server. The link for the Discord server is in the description of this download. So just head to the description, click on the Discord server link, and you can join up for there for free as well. And there's also templegrowing.com, which is TG's website. I think by now he might have uh, his soil recipe up on there. So go and check. Check out his website. Show him some support by visiting his website. That would be super cool. But of course, you can support High on Homegrown and PersysGrowroom.com by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash Room. The first level of that is just $4.20 a month. That's $4.20 in American dollars. So very cheap. And then you'll get access to all of the cool interviews that are coming up very soon. So if you want to listen to these interviews live as they take place, then become a patron. And it's a great way to support the show. But you can also support the show by sharing it with friends on social media. We're trying to get more followers on Instagram and Twitter. So if you are on any of those networks and you can help us out by getting more followers, then please just share the link to our social networks as well. But as always, thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We appreciate you massively. Thank you for downloading. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope to catch it on the next one, which is either on Sunday for the live show, which is about worm farms, or there'll be the download of Cannabis News on Monday ready for you. Stay high, stay safe, and I'll see you on Sunday, hopefully. Goodbye. Goodbye.